Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode. Nicole and Trevor help us wrap up our celebration of Black History Months with some pretty exciting guests. We'll also find out what made Chris say... Oh, and their show's called Emojis. So cute. It is so cute. And why Tom said... What is that, Justin Bieber? Heart, heart, wink, wink. <laughs> all this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. This week, we have a great group of hosts and some amazing interviews coming up for the month of February as we celebrate Black history and the marching arts. Today, Nicole talks to that band teacher lady from social media, and we meet some of the guys from It's a Face-Off who do deep dives in the world of HBCU marching bands. But before we bring in those guests, let's check in who's on the sidelines this week. Tom. Yo, how are you guys doing? Once again, it's sunny here in California. (laughs) Always bragging. <laughs> yes, it's it ever not sunny. Uh, Nicole, you're here too. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, just came off a weekend of being in Nebraska. Um, never been. And this was my first all-ladies panel. Ooh. Oh, it was so, I don't know, you like empowering women, empowered women, yes. Yeah, yes. it was very cool. Chris, nice to see you. Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing? It's good to be back. Uh, it is, as Tom said, it is sunny in Southern California, but it is cold and we are about to get dumped with a bunch of rain. Don't give it away. It's always sunny here. <laughs> yeah, it's sunny and 42 degrees right now. <laughs> it is a little nippy. <laughs> I have to wear pants. I know, right? <laughs> so I take it you got those props finished up last week? Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Look. Eight, they are five four by eight vinyl panels, and there's ten, there's ten of them total. Oh. And I painted them in my dining room on my dining room table. It took two and a half weeks to get done, but oh, it's done. Hey, real quick, Chris, is it your wife's middle school winter percussion ensemble? Yes. Let's give a shout out yes. to that little group. They were awesome. Well, <laughs> well thanks. I will. I'll, I'll talk about it a little more in the gush, in the gush and go. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a it was a welcome welcome back to the Townsend Indoor Drumline uh, after three years of not doing it. So it was a pretty pretty crazy day, but they survived and they did a good job. Now we're going to be having more guest hosts stop by rehearsals and hang out. This week we have an amazing instructor, designer, judge organizing maven and cat mom joining us on the sidelines uh from avon grove high school in pennsylvania it is michelle adcock welcome michelle hi so tell us about yourself what is your background i mean i know i gave you like this crazy long uh, introduction but (laughs) uh i know um well i've been doing this for um a long time uh so probably 
definitely over 30 years. Um, started out like everybody else, you know, marching in a little drum and baton corps and then high school and then drum corps. Um, and then uh, once I just started teaching, I started teaching my first color guard during college and I just haven't stopped. So I've been teaching, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you all know how that is. You all know how it is. You get the bug and that's it. This is now your life. Um, but uh, I mean, I call myself semi-retired now because I just teach one team, one high, well, not one team, but one school um, at, at Avagrove, uh, which is where I teach for my real job. Um, I teach at the intermediate school and down in Avagrove now we have our high school team, we have a middle school team. And um, the last couple of years I've started as team at my intermediate school, which is fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So that's a, that's nice. a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. I just really focus on that program right now, but in the past, you know, I've been, I've marched and taught DCA and all kinds of stuff that I can't even remember, but <laughs> I've been doing it long enough to forget. <laughs> You just hosted a winter show at a new high school, which is kind of part of why we were like, we need to get her on as soon as possible. <laughs> How was that? Oh, it, it, it was, it was stressful until it wasn't. Um, it was amazing. It was, we were very, very fortunate. We, um, had never hosted a main show before, mostly because at the old high school, our warm up facilities were really subpar. Um, and so it was our first time hosting a regular season main show. Uh, and it was our first time hosting a large show since pre-pandemic. So none of the parents had ever done hosting a show before. So we were starting from scratch in a brand new building. Um, and what was interesting is a lot of the stuff has literally just opened like the bleachers just opened about a month before our show um hallways that were blocked off we were i saw for the first time the day of the show so it it was crazy but um it was amazing it the facility turned out to be beautiful all the all the uh guards were really positive about the experience and um and, and i i was really nervous but all the parents really stepped up they really stepped up. I have also heard you are the ex organizer extraordinaire. So do you care to share any of your organization tips with any of us? <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, Jeremy, just because I'm always emailing you about things um, doesn't mean I have my act together. But let's <laughs> let's pretend. Um, no, I mean, it's just it's a combination of Google spreadsheets um, and the remind app on my phone Ooh. and just, you know, one of the tips I always say, and I actually just did this, we had a town hall for the circuit. I'm actually, cause not enough. I'm also on the e-board of our local color guard circuit. Oh my goodness. Um, but we just had a little town hall just talking about, you know, making sure you're understanding how to get the information you need from competition suite, things mm -hmm. like that. And I, you know, one of my biggest suggestions was I have a Friday list that's dedicated and it is set that every Friday my little alarm goes off and it says, did you make, print out the maps for the bus driver? Did you do this? Did you, and all the things you have to do for a show. And I have my Wednesday list to make sure my music is uploaded in case we changed it. I just have, I make lists, a lot of lists and I time them. So they happen every week 
during the season because sometimes things are so routine that you might forget to do them because you just, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I didn't do that. Little things like I charge my clip speaker. So I have it for body warm up. And I just, I live and breathe off a of list alarms and Google spreadsheets. That's all I got. <laughs> you know, I love a good spreadsheet. I will tell you. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Color coded. Let me oh know. Oh my gosh. Listen, format, ba- colors changes based on format. That is, that is God's gift to the world. I swear. <laughs> we are friends and we have not. <laughs> you and me, girl. <laughs> I love that. And I love hearing how technology is like helping you so much because we hear a lot about, oh, technology is bad and it's ruining our lives and constantly. And it's like, yeah, but it really it's a tool. And if you're using it like a tool, it can improve your life so much. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, one of the other things we use, like um, our staff, we have three color guards, but four people. So we use Slack as our tool. And then we have the different channels. So on this channel, we're just going to talk about like the middle school guards design. This channel, we're just going to talk about the high school guards design. And then I have another channel that, okay, this is just for the, uh, you know, where we upload the new music links and just being able to keep track versus doing email. Um, If I could suggest one thing to the world, when you're organizing with groups of people, use something. I know some people use discord, which is great. Um, but we use Slack, something to get out of email chains, because if you can organize your conversations, then you're like, okay, I know they sent me that updated um, form and I can't find it in all these chains of emails. But if you're using something like Slack or Discord where you can organize by channels, um, I highly recommend that. I love that. So before we jump into this rehearsal too deep, we want to introduce a little segment we are calling Winter Watch. Each week, we will have our hosts and correspondents fanning out around the country to keep us up on what's going on with the winter activity. This week, we have everyone's favorite band mom, Cindy Berry, a.k.a. Leander Mama, right up front to give us what's happening in Winter Guard right now. Take it away, Cindy. I'm back. Leander Mama here. For some reason, the good folks here at On A Water Break keep giving me the opportunity to talk about my favorite subjects. And so here I am to chat about the amazing WGI contest held this past weekend in Houston. Now, I wasn't there in person, but I was able to catch most all of the action again on Flow Marching. And we had some great showings from some of our Houston, San Antonio, and Austin area friends. We also had some technical difficulties that we haven't seen before, but I bet we won't see it happen again. More on that in a few minutes. Now let's start with the Scholastic A class in Houston, where we saw some of my favorite guards taking some of the top spots, like Friendswood, Georgetown, and Clearbrook High Schools. But the winner in this division was a school I had not heard of before. Or maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention but it was the Jordan High School guard from Fulcher, Texas. I hope I said that right. Y'all know when we're talking about small towns in Texas, they aren't always pronounced exactly how they look. Yes, I'm looking at you, Saxie, Mayner, and Burnett. But anyway, this group from Jordan High School blew me away with their gorgeous show called Lakes of Pontchartrain. Yes, the show was as lovely as the title, and this guard really surprised me. I'm so looking forward to seeing them live soon at WGI Austin. 
Your second place guard in the A division was Clearbrook, and they were just phenomenal, really. Their show was called Self-Reflection, and it featured the guard dressed ethereally in all white and performing on a white floor with scroll work around the edges and covered in mirror props. The Chardet music definitely helped continue that ethereal feeling, and I was truly mesmerized by this show. I can't wait to see them in Dayton at WGI Worlds in April. I also want to give a quick shout out to Georgetown High School, who took third in the A division. Now, Georgetown always has a great guard and entertaining shows, and this one was another fantastic one from them. Quickly moving on to the Scholastic Open class, where there are fewer guards competing, but they really push themselves in this class to add crazy tricks, and it's always a blast to watch them figuring these things out. I sure wouldn't want to be told, hey, we know you are comfortable throwing rifles and spinning flags, but now we want you to do a few flips while spinning those things and maybe juggle sabers at the same time. No problem, right? Well, evidently it wasn't a problem for College Park, Cyfair, and Earl Warren High Schools who took the top three spots in open class last weekend. In fact, those were three of my personal favorites from the entire competition. Earl Warren took third and had the most fun show called Saturday Night Fever. And you can imagine how pumped the crowd was watching this highly energetic show. Y'all be watching out for me when they perform next at WGI Austin, because I just might run out on the floor with them and show off some of my John Travolta dance moves. You definitely don't want to miss that. The next group I want to mention in the open class was Cy Fair with their heart-stopping show called Shattered Hearts. And there was nothing stopping these kids from taking second place in their division. I sure hope there are some Cy Fair fans listening to this podcast who caught all of my puns just then. Finally, your winner in the open class is a guard from the Woodlands, Texas, who is not the Woodlands High School. Are you confused? Well, don't be, because there is another amazing color guard in the area that is College Park High School. This show was absolutely gorgeous, and I honestly couldn't take my eyes off this guard. Believe it or not, the show was about jellyfish, and it's called Nature's Net. But mostly, it is truly just a lovely show, extremely well performed, and I have a feeling we will be hearing more about this Woodlands group who isn't the Woodlands. I see you, College Park. Okay, now let's talk about the actual Woodlands High School and their astonishingly good World Guard. Their show this season is called How to Move, and these girls definitely never stop moving. In fact, even when there is a huge technical glitch during their show, like, say, a telephone ringing over the loudspeaker, cutting off their music, and causing everyone to wonder what the heck is going on, the Woodlands Guard never stopped. They continued on by counting loudly and keeping things flowing while the tech crew was scrambling to get the music started again. Now fortunately, since this was by no fault of the Guard, the Woodlands did get a second chance to perform during prelims. They might have been a little rattled, but you really would never have known it, and they performed phenomenally well after this glitch. I can't wait to see this one live in Austin. And side note, I am also looking forward to spending some time with this guard and interviewing the seniors for a future segment here on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. 
I will wrap this up real quickly by saying that I also really enjoyed the independent guard shows over the weekend and the independent open class guard Undaunted in particular. Their show, Fabricating Bliss, was so exciting to watch. Now I know a show about fabric of all things may not sound very exciting to you, but it really was so colorful, so well thought out, and so well performed, and I look forward to seeing how they do this season with this one. Well, that's it for today's Winter Watch from Houston. Stay tuned next week when I move to California. Not really, but I will be watching the San Diego WGI contest, and I can't wait to talk about Palm Desert Charter Middle School, where middle schoolers are doing tricks with guard equipment that a lot of high schoolers would never even consider. Stay warm, y'all, and stay tuned. Whenever Cindy said she was going to California, I was like, I know you're meeting up with Chris and Tom and you guys are just going to all enjoy the weather together. (laughs) (laughs) Just a quick note about Palm Desert Middle School. Mm. That school has been a powerhouse for nearly 10 years. They do stuff that I've never seen little kids do. They are truly remarkable. We've seen videos of them before, and I've only seen videos. Um, anytime that they were performing, um, I mean, I've never seen them, but man, they, <laughs> I want a middle school guard like that. <laughs> they're, they're, they are ridiculous. And in uh, up the road in the, the Temecula area, uh, there's a, a, a elementary school, uh, the, uh, the Lisa J. Mills Elementary School that has a color guard, and they go out and compete, and they they can blow away most of the middle school guards and most of the scholastic A groups too. They are crazy and their shows are so cute. I know that she has saw all of the Houston groups. And honestly, I was looking at that because now I'm, um, I used to live in the Houston, Austin area and now I'm in Cincinnati. So like, and then I wasn't even in the state of Ohio this past weekend. I was in Nebraska. So uh, I know that there was lots of, I know, (laughs) We're all over, um, you know, seeing things go down and uh, seeing some, you know, honestly, groups I've never heard of um, until I went to Nebraska. Um, there were all kinds like um, oh, Elkhorn. There was uh, another group, uh, Papillon High School. Um, and I think that they are going to be going to WGI as well. But just to give you some, you know, quick hits on those groups that I saw um, this past weekend. Yeah. I, I, you know, being a judge, I really can't talk too much about groups. But I am going to say uh, one group that really everyone should see this year is James Logan World Guard. Um, I'll just say mm. Mona Lisa. That's all I've got to say. Oh. Get a chance to see it. They have such a strong, strong history in uh, WGI. Mm. Um, man, yeah. I, I can remember when I was marching and they were marching and they did the knockout show. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I got a belt from somebody from that show, so I was really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, their production of Carmen was one of my, like, I, I want to say that was either the first or the second Winter Guard show I had ever seen. So we're talking, this was like my initiation into... You know, and I saw it on video. I was like, my initiation into the world of Winter Guard, like, what is this whole other thing? You know? 
Uh, okay, we have Steven back with a percussion recap. So there's a lot of stuff happening over there. So what's going on in percussion land, Steven? Hey guys, Steven here, and I got your WGI percussion competitive recap for this week. This week was an exciting weekend. We got some new groups coming out uh, and some other groups we've already seen posting some higher scores. So new group for this week, GMU and South County High School debuted at AIA Mount Vernon. GMU received a 79.45 and South County received a 75.85. Congrats to Woodbridge High School as well and Thomas Jefferson High School for winning that competition in A and Open respectively. Uh, at SCPA Rancho Cucamonga, which I just love the name of that high school, um, four more world-class ensembles debuted in PSW and Ayala won the competition with a score of 84.1. Uh, Arcadia was not too close behind, though, scoring an 82.9. In open class competition, Fountain Valley High School won with a score of 77.45. And my favorite, Rancho Cucamonga, 1A with a score of 79.55. Um, moving over towards the Midwest at SCGC Lebanon, Tennessee, uh, they had a large contest there. MCM competed again, and they earned a score of 83.4. MCM show this year is called Plastique, and there's already some decent videos out there that you can watch. They're doing what we all love to see them do, running across the floor at breakneck speeds, but playing even faster. I think they're going to have a good season this year. I urge you all to go check out Plastique online whenever you got a few minutes. Um, in open class at that same show, Ravenwood High School came out with a score of 78.15, giving them the highest open score that I've seen yet, and Hewitt Trustville won A with a score of 74.3. This weekend also hosted an iconic MEPA show, uh, the Mideast performed at The Nut. That's right, I'm talking about everyone's favorite, or rather second favorite, WGI Finals venue, the Great Wall of Ohio, the Green Beasts of the Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Tri-State Region, the ever-timeless Wright State University Nutter Center. Uh, this show saw RhythmX make their sophomore performance, earning an 84.5, and Conexus made their debut for the year as well, earning a 75.95. Centerville High School performed in a class of their own, scoring a 78.15 in Scholastic World, and Milford High School won A class, scoring a 79.4. Uh, across the other side of Ohio, in the OIPA circuit this weekend, Matrix made their season debut, finished their two-show weekend with a sturdy 86.15. That's nearly the highest score that I've seen yet in world class. And we won't know for sure until we get to see these groups come together at finals, but that's promising, gets me excited. Seems like Matrix is making it clear that they are having a great year thus far. Then last but not least in the Northeast, Old Bridge High School won open class once again at Maps Hatboro Horsham, scoring 77.95, and Union High School won the A class with a score of 75.15. That wraps up our last weekend of strictly local circuit competition. Uh, can't wait to get back with you guys next week and recap a huge percussion weekend. This will feature the Chicago Regional, the Orlando Regional, a two-day regional in Temecula, California, and the Trumbull, Connecticut Regional for the Northeast. It's a big weekend coming up for percussion, and I can't wait to recap it for you all.
Yeah, wow. There's so much good percussion going on. Uh, Rhythm X is costuming this year in their floor. It's such an illusion. Uh, you got to see it. I've seen pictures of it, and they like it's they're eight, they ate there. It's so good. And I mean, I haven't seen videos. I've just seen pictures. And if I'm like intrigued by a picture, you can, right? You can only imagine. So yeah. But I do have to. I want to say something about this because like eighty four. I mean, I don't know who got that, but I know that these numbers are sticking in my head. So are they projected to get like a 200 WGI? That's exactly what I was saying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, two things, right? So the great thing about WGI, Winter Guard, Winter Percussion, really we don't know who is going to be at the top until we get there at the end of the season. Whereas Drum Corps, we tour together all summer. We duke it out every night. Winter Guard and Winter Percussion is such a mystery till the end until you get there with everybody and, and compare yourself. But groups like yeah. Music City Mystique, MCM, are already hammering it out and, and laying the groundwork for, hey, we're, we're the all-time record holder for WGI champions. We're going to hold on to it. I, I believe so. When you're coming out the gate like that, I mean. Jeez. <laughs> right. It's like, how many beats? How many notes? All the notes, all the beats. <laughs> Tom, I am glad you said MCM is Music City Mystique because I was starting to be like, oh no, I'm like, I'm like, you know, guard person over here going, MCM, MCM, okay. <laughs> I, I know it's one of these guys. <laughs> all right, guys, it's time to get your instruments and get on the field because this week, Nicole and Trevor are starting with at that band teacher lady from social media. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hey everyone, and welcome to our third installment celebrating black people in the marching arts. We've had two great episodes so far. Uh, the first one with Julian Williams, we got great history lesson into the activity from someone who has, or who has been there when the activity became the modern spectacle it is today. We also spoke to some amazing people from HS HBCUs, marching bands, and learned what it's like to be inside an HBCU. 
This week, we want to highlight some amazing people in our activity today and shine light on those people that are really putting in the work to move our activity forward in an amazing and diverse way. That's absolutely right, Nicole. And we are so super excited to be joined by what can only be described as a social media maven. She has tens and thousands of followers, you guys, millions of likes on her pages, and a sense of human, uh, humor, humor that is beyond any other that we've seen of any band director. Um, did we also need to mention that she used to make her own jewelry? No. <laughs> Please welcome that band teacher, Lady Jacqueline. Yes, Hello. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello. So, Jacqueline, I'll start us off by asking you your first question of the podcast. Okay. What was the moment in time that you made you say that this activity was for you? I'd say when I was a freshman in high school, uh, it was like the day one of band camp and I was terrified. Uh, I remember walking onto the field and it was like, I live in an area that's like, you know, hundred degree heat, like that's normal. I remember walking onto the field and like everyone was terrified that was a freshman and just seeing um, everyone come together and like make us not feel so afraid. And then like being able to make the sounds together and songs together and doing my first field show or starting to learn how my, my first field show, it just was fun. And I just like, oh, I love this. And I had to just keep on going from there. Oh, that's that's awesome. I, I, that 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 must have been a great experience for you coming into that performer um, landscape and realizing that it was for you. Did, were there times earlier in your life where you kind of knew that um, you were kind of destined to be a, an outstanding performer, a performer of, of the arts? If I answer it the way my mind is thinking, I'm going to sound very cocky. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I've always been good at what I do. Um, and I've always been a good musician. Like it, it was like, you know, first chair, honor band, all that stuff. So it's like, I, I guess ever since I started like getting them back to back, it's like, okay, I can do this. This, this is good. This is cool. That's great that, that you did that, that you walked into like this new environment of marching band with the blaring heat coming down on you. And you were like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. So well, let's dive way, way back into how it started. Like, where are you from? Tell us how all of that became one thing. Well, I am from California. I'm in, I'm from a uh, part of the Valley, a small part of the Valley in California um, where it gets, again, like I said, really hot. Um, and I started playing uh, the clarinet in what grade was I in? Fifth grade. <laughs> I remember playing in fifth grade. Uh, I remember there's an assembly that uh, was like the, Hey, do you want to play an instrument? And we all like went to the assembly. And I remember coming home to my mom saying, Hey, I want to play the drums. And she's like, absolutely not. And then I said I wanted to play the trumpet. She's like, mm, no. And then my options basically uh, boiled down to saxophone or clarinet. And uh, at the time, uh, I didn't want to walk to school with a gigantic saxophone. So I picked the clarinet because it was smaller. And <laughs> that's pretty much what started it. We all start out with the clarinet, don't we? I think, I feel like I, that's, I did that too. And my sisters did that as well. But I'm the only one who like stuck through it and was just like, okay, maybe if I wait a little longer, <laughs> I can get something else. So clarinet is your core um, instrument, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so where did you go to college? Did you compete? How'd that go? So tell, like, I know I'm giving you like three things at once, but where did you go to college? 
Uh, I went to college at California State University. Depends on how you what, what your era is, Hayward or East Bay. I went when it was Hayward, but then I graduated right when I became East Bay. So I'm I'm both. Um, so was that like a, just a name change? Yeah, it was a name change. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then uh, we we were not a competitive uh, uh, college. Uh, I originally wanted to go to Fresno State where they did compete, but uh, Cal State Hayward offered me more money, so I went there. And they're more of a um, very much concert jazz band, no marching band, nothing. So, so Jacqueline, can you talk to us about what your role as an educator is today, current day? So right now, I am a high school band director. I do um, marching band, parade marching band, concert band. We're we're restarting our jazz band because it hasn't you know been in existence for a while. Uh, basically, rebuilding a program in an area that is desperate for music and is, I guess, on the up and ups for music. Yeah, tell me about your school, where, where the name of it, where it is, the history of your school, the history of maybe the band program and, and what you kind of had to take over, how long you've been there, all that great stuff. So I've been at my current position for seven, eight years, eight years, I think. I think uh, I took over the program um, after it had gone through a lot of changes. It's been like a revolving door for instructors. There was a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Mel Wan who uh, actually passed away, I think, two years ago, uh, who made this program huge. Like he was big in jazz, big in parade. Like he was just this big name in the area. Um, and then he retired in 2001. Somebody else came in for a couple of years and it just became a revolving door. And the kids had someone new, like every maybe two or three years or so. Um, and that trickled down eventually to me joining in. I can't do math, but however long seven, eight years ago was. Um, and it's now me. <laughs> and I, uh, like I said, we do marching band, uh, but in my area, we don't do field show, unfortunately. Or not yet, at least. Uh, marching band, concert band. Um, I have beginning band. I've got uh, jazz band restarting, uh, drum lines. That's pretty much what I do with my kids now. So, okay, so parades, are those big in your area? Doing in, my area in my area, yes. Uh, it's actually kind of mixed. It, it, the, the biggest reason why my school doesn't do field show, or rather my district doesn't do field show, it's a, it's a big financial thing. Um, we are not in the, the best of financial situations at my district. So the idea of having to have like trailers and props and, uh, different costumes and uniforms, we, we can't afford that at all. So, uh, a lot of schools that are in that same situation, they just stick to parades. Uh, so we do have parade competition and then we also have field show competitions within the same festival day. It just depends on what you want to do. So some schools do do both. Um, but then also I'm low key kind of lazy and so are my kids. And I don't want to be at somewhere that's not my home from like six o'clock in the morning until like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, understandable. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Jacqueline, can you talk to us about like the makeup of your school? Is it a predominantly white school? Do how many uh, students of color do you have the opportunity to instruct? Um, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Uh, sure. I might not know the exact numbers, but uh, the demographic is mis- uh, majority Hispanic uh, uh, students. Uh, I think after that would be some uh, black students and Asian students. And then there's not a big demographic of, of uh, white or Caucasian students. Oh, OK. That's that's great to hear that you get to um, instruct uh, the students of color. Can you talk to us about maybe, um, you know, how you're viewed, like in your area, in your school, uh, um, by your students, being a person of color, being a woman of color in, in the profession? Um, that, that not a lot of women of color traditionally in the in, in, in these roles. And you're one of the, you're one of those that are kind of leading the charge. Can you talk about the importance of that and maybe how you're viewed? 
um, around your district and in your in your school and by your students? Sure. From from my students, I'm going to make the assumption because they act like it all the time. Um, I'm like their second mom in a way. Like they are in my room all the time talking to me. Um, you know, revealing their deepest, darkest secrets, or just you know saying really random things and having random conversations with me. Um, <laughs> some of them, you know, I've I've gone through a couple of rounds of siblings, and so like the siblings come back and they're talking with me and like as if I'm like not necessarily their older sister, but like their relative of some way. Um, and then my 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 colleagues and everybody else in the area, I you know I haven't really noticed anything that would make me um, feel like I'm being treated any differently. Um, so I can't really say how they perceive me other than just, you know, the random person in the other side of campus who comes out only for staff meetings. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'll tell you, like anytime that I am um, introduced or meet another um, black woman who is a band director, I always want to know, like, how did you get that bug to go? You told us about how you, you know, were a marching band, but like, how did you go about getting your job? How did you say, or, you know, when was it that you said, I want to be a band director? And then did you have, I know I'm giving you three questions right now. That's totally, <laughs> you can pick one. But <laughs> yeah, who was like the inspiration behind you getting your job or being a band director? So I think I made the decision that I wanted to be a band director uh, probably right before I got into high school. Uh, my, like the, the teacher that made the biggest impression on me was my, um, beginning band teacher, my middle school teacher and my elementary school teacher. Uh, they were the same person. Uh, we would have like pull out class lessons. Um, and her name was Miss Williams and she was just, I just loved how she was with the class and how like, um, entertaining she was and how compassionate she was and how like willing she was to help. And I was like, this is kind of mm -hmm. what I want to do. Granted at that time, even though I was a kid myself, I hated kids. And so I really didn't want to be around kids. So I don't know what the switch was. Um, somehow I turned into, I don't mind being around children anymore. Uh, and so I, like, you know, I, I decided to go into teaching. Uh, but then also my high school band director, uh, he was very nurturing. Like he definitely like showed me the path of like how cool uh, being a band director can be. Uh, you know, the, the, of course, the, the extra perks of being able to travel, which no one likes to talk about, but you know, it, it happens. Uh, we get to just travel. Um, and do what we love and, and watch the younger generation do what we love and hopefully continue doing what we love. So that all started with, with again, my beginning teacher and my high school teacher um, who actually, which is strange now, now that I'm actually a teacher now, I see him at competitions because we're still in the same area. So it's like every time I run into him, we're both like, oh, my God, we're both old. Like, how are we both here at the same time right now? Question. I have a, another question for you. Um Obviously, we know about your social media footprint and how much you enjoy it. Can you talk to us about how you got involved with the social media aspect of everything and just express to us your love of social media in regards to Love it. So, <laughs> believe it or not, um, I'm, I'm actually very much an introvert and I'm very quiet and shy. So, like, this is, this is a stretch right here. Um, but I usually don't, like, talk to people. I like to just, you know don't see me don't hear me a, a true clarinet player um but it was the pandemic and i was really bored uh virtual teaching was terrible and i i knew at that point like my mental health was just like just gone and so i was one of the millions of people who were like i'm never going to download tiktok my students are just absolutely crazy i'm not going to do this and i downloaded it that one day i just scrolled and then i remember seeing uh i think it was a it was a video from jimmer's 
And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the step. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to respond. I'm going to clap back to Jimmers. And that's just what started it all. And like, it just, I went down this rabbit hole. And next thing I know, here I am. <laughs> rabbit holes are start everything. I'll tell you, I am a big fan of your TikTok and <laughs> your Instagram. Um, it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's just funny. Like <laughs> how you put video game sounds behind things <laughs> and whatnot. Like it, it's really, your content is um, one relatable, especially if you've been in a band before. And it's just funny. You take something that's so easily, you know, seen or heard like, you know, a video game and then, you know, put it with, you know, something you do in class. But anyway, <laughs> most of the time I, you know, can relate. And I think it's just funny. And I, I'm glad that you are out there making content like this alongside educating young kids. I think that's great. It is time for our rapid fire questions. We want to get our experts opinion. We want to get our experts opinion on some social media trends, topics, and creators that we should all know about. And who better to ask than you, uh, Jacqueline. So are you ready for your rapid fire questions? Let's do this. Jacqueline, first question. What was the trend that you have loved the most on social media? So with TikTok, I really like the, uh, what's it called? The Bunnacool? I can't even pronounce it. The two plastic Easter eggs. And the guy was like shaking them back and forth. And like, it was all the the cool sounds. And it just turned into two wads of of paper with like duct tape or whatever it was. And it was the worst (laughs) sound ever. I loved that one. That's awesome. I'm very familiar with that. Next question. What about the trend that you most dislike? Um, Random text or, or comments that make no sense. I know I'm a millennial, I'm, I'm old, but anytime I get like a random emoji and like, I don't know, butterfly kisses something comment, it's like, what are you talking about? And then like it floods, like whatever that trend or those trends are, I hate those. Yeah, just go away. We don't need those. Yeah. The bane of our existence. Don't need them. All right, next rapid fire question. What's the person or group on social media not getting enough love? but needs it in our activity. Tell us who that group or person is, Jacqueline. Oh, I'm prepared for this one. Okay, I got it like sectioned off. Uh, for, for like motivation and, and just awesomeness and just in the profession, uh, uh, Cindy, that girly band director, uh, Zach Smith, uh, for conducting, especially for like drum majors, anybody who's interested in the the, the field or the, the sport, the art sport, uh, bro, it's Mike. He's awesome. I, I love his yes. videos, his conducting videos. Yeah. He's inspired me to like go buy a camera now and do this. Uh, and Janet Song King, because she's the same, but female form or female presenting form. And just it's like amazing what, what they're doing. Uh, and then, of course, I can't I have to shout out, you know, my, my, my buddy, my, my flute uh, nemesis, Jimmers, because, you know, everything that he does is funny. That sounded weird. Funny. <laughs> but also he's shedding light on things that should be talked about. That's a great list, Jacqueline. Thank you for that. How about a next rapid fire question? Who's getting too much attention? Someone out there is getting too much attention and we need to stop. Oh, okay. So still going back to the whole comments thing, because I've been getting them sometimes, especially on my playing videos. Uh, those armchair quarterbacks, this is just, I guess, to, to, to the audience people, uh, the armchair quarterbacks who give me unsolicited advice, like, bro, I am a professional musician. I get paid to do this. And you're trying to a- offer me advice and you're like 10? What? Go Period. away. <laughs> Out of here. Yeah. All right. What about, uh, what do you want to see less on social media? Something that needs to just... 
Mm-mm, we need to bring it down. We'll say egos, like trashing the like beginners or small schools because you know you you go to a big school, but you see a small school or a beginner, and they don't sound like you, or they don't do the exact same your school does. When you don't realize that not everybody has the same financial situation, that has to stop. And so on the on the inverse, uh, what do we need to see more of on our social media platforms? I love being able to see glimpses into how other schools and other demographics approach this art sport or the marching arts, how they interpret it for their area. So maybe some schools don't have a focus on all classical music. Maybe some schools do do concert band versions of Bondo or, or Mariachi or you know just how every school uh, interprets it. I like, I like that being shown off. And the last rapid fire question, you've done so well. Here we go, let's finish it <laughs> off. Jacqueline, how do you see social media and education tying together in the future? I see it being a way that kids that are possibly too afraid to ask their, their band teachers or people around them questions, they can ask on social media because there's people, not to do my own harm like me, who are, are, are approachable enough that will answer the questions for them. Uh, it also gives kids an outlet to see things that they can do instead of just being put in that box of concert band is all I can do. You Very did nice. a great job, Jacqueline, handling <laughs> our rapid fire questions. Insert applause here. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. Nice work. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you. (laughs) So we always give our guests the opportunity to gush and go about something related to the marching arts. So Jacqueline, what would you like to gush and go about? Um, I would like, I like to gush and go about the, the idea that I'm seeing and loving that I'm seeing more women and more women of color that are out here and, and taking more than just, this is no offense to my, my colleagues in this profession, but taking more than just the choir jobs are being assumed as just the choir teachers or just the uh, string teachers. We're, we're here doing the same thing that all the men are doing and we're showing it off. That's perfect. That's awesome. And Jacqueline, lastly, we want to thank you for joining us uh, this for this uh, podcast. We much appreciate it um, of, of you and your talents and who you are as a person uh, can you tell us like how to follow you on social media, where we can find more of Jacqueline? Sure. So on TikTok and Instagram, I am that band teacher lady. On uh, Twitter, I am the same thing, but I had to shorten it. So it's instead of teacher, it's teacher. Um, but that, that's listed in my link tree on all of my socials. Um, but that's pretty much where you can find me, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And coming soon, YouTube, because I just got that camera and Bro is Mike has inspired me. Well, that's great. We will find you there. All right, everyone back to rehearsal. We'll see you soon. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, AKA headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, the cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. 
Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Welcome back to our continued celebration of Black History Month with another exciting chat with some amazing people. Horatio and Emmanuel discuss the ins and outs of HBCU band culture every week. Uh, they keep you updated and provide commentary on your favorite HBCU battle bands, fifth quarters, beefs, and much more. As HBCU band alumni, me, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Emmanuel and Horatio are dedicated to highlighting and uplifting HBCU band programs because of their importance to our culture. Please welcome them both to the program. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, okay, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you could. Um, we can start with Manny. Hello, my name is Manuel Powell. Uh, Graduate of Jackson State University. I play saxophone. Uh, native, native of Baltimore current, currently. And, you know, just an overall band fan, man. I was hooked on band just from living right next to my high school here in the bands. Uh, just coming out of elementary school all the way up to when I joined in high school myself, man. So I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to join the show. All right. And Horatio. So my name is Horatio Douglas. Um, I'm from Southern Virginia as well. Um, me and Manny, we actually went to high school together. That's kind of where we, well, high school and middle school together. That's kind of where we, you know, had our start of, uh, you know, music, our love for music. But I also uh, graduated from North Carolina A&T State University, uh, which is the largest HBCU. Um, I graduated there in 2021 and also marched in the band there. I was the session leader of the euphonium section. So, um, yeah, man, it's great to be here. It's great to talk about bands. It's always great to talk about, you know, something that we love so much, something that we put so much time in as far as marching band and, and the, you know, our instrument and everything. So it's so great that we can still talk about it and still, you know, have a platform to discuss these things. That's amazing. That's awesome. I did a deep dive and listened to the podcast that y'all had last year. Um, so I got a good, and I listened to all of it because it's all on YouTube. So <laughs> I listened to all of it today. And um, I guess I want to start by asking, um, so you all have been in it. You have been a part of an HBCU marching band. Um, with your high school band, was your high school band a show style band as well? Yes, it was. Yes. Okay. yes. Okay, so going from high school into college band, there was nothing like new you had to learn. Well, I know for both of us, we went to two different styles of school. So, um, you know, and, and that's the great thing about, about HBCU band is that kind of in the in, in any region that you are, um, it's a different style. So I went to North Carolina a which is um, a completely different style from where Manny went to, which is Jackson State. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's great that we both went to a show style high school because that's definitely a hard transition for, um, you know, people that are coming from different, maybe core style or DCI type bands into a show style band. But yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't that much. Uh, what do you think? What do you say? Yeah. Like it wasn't too much difference. Um, you get the basic elements. I would say that the major thing that's really helpful is the mindset coming into the program. So, even though the styles was different, it required like HBCU bands, in my opinion, it requires like a certain mental aspect and mental approach to it when you're going into that 
learning environment and knowing what to expect. So me stepping, coming from, you know, our high school, which I feel like at the high school level was like very rigorous as far as like the culture and the mindset we had to it. I came uh-huh. to Jackson State and pretty much fell right in as far as my approach. And then just having that, yes. that, that goal, that, that band, that band headism, that, that we were warriors in high school. So like that warrior mindset coming into the HBCU style. So you said that there were two different styles to the different, two different groups. So you were at A&T, Manny, you were at Jackson State. Right. So what are the two, like, what was the difference between those two marching bands? Um, I would say at A&T, A&T is definitely um, focused um, heavily and they're definitely known a lot for their field shows. Um, you know, they do theme shows, which they've started, or which they've done, you know, like since the early 2000s and they've been doing them and, you know, they're they're winner of, of, of Honda Battle of the Bands, the only winner that they did in 2014. So mm-hmm. they're known for their field shows. So I know that at, at A&T, that was a big um, thing for us, it's, as well as stand tunes, but definitely not as, as focused as much because that's what we're known for. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So like in Jackson State, we, it was just in the student type of realm thing. The the stands was just a big, heavy part of the identity and the approach. Um, field shows, we care about them and matter, but just the overall consensus of the students is we want to go out, we want to win, we're going to show and prove, and we take these battles very seriously. So yeah. I, I think that's, that's kind of where the difference is. And like, you know, both of these bands have those elements of what we do in our, in our shows and our style. But I would say the emphasis is a little bit different as just the internal integrity of it uh-huh. through each program. Yeah. And that's kind of why we named the podcast um, Crank Up, even though we're doing it under um, Face Off the Network, the, the band network, um, mm-hmm. because that, that, that attitude of Crank Up, it's, a, it's an aggressive kind of intensity that you know, um, HBCU March bands have, and like I said, though we went to different programs, we even said that we were going to do this podcast in high school. You know, we, we spoke this a, a long time ago, just because we knew that the type of intensity of this March band is going to get us hooked for even uh, 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 even ten more years, or however, however much long that you know uh, we can still, still love and, and talk about March bands. So yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, in listening to your old podcast, and then actually listening to like y'all just did a podcast yesterday too so y'all been doing this for quite a while um so euphonium player horatio yes and then manny what did you play or what do you tenor saxophone tenor saxophone started on tenor saxophone as well he will tell the (laughs) (laughs) and i'm actually glad that i switched because and 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 that's the thing about hbcu bands is is, it's very brass heavy some of the, you know, that's a dynamic that is, it plays into the HBCU March Band culture. So I'm yeah, glad, yeah. me and Manny started the same section. We were, you know, very close. And then I had to go to uh, play baritone in high school and then euphonium later. Well, I will fill you on the euphonium part because when I was in high school, I marched baritone. So I get it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But then I quickly switched to color guard, but we won't get into that. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to ask you both, like it being in your respective, HBCUs, what was it like being on the field during a battle of the bands? Um, electric. I mean, that's something that, you know, like it's, it's, it's something that you, that you prepare for. I think something that, that is grateful, something that I, I learned at a is that you got to have that same energy. So we practice with that same energy um, that you would get if people are right on, you got to be able to play. I mean, your heart out with, with people on you with that, you know, that, that type of field and keep it together and, you know, still be locked in mentally. 
So I think that's a um, a big aspect. Um, I would say electric. Um, yeah. that feel I would say for me, it's it's almost like, I mean, I think you, we have these moments in high school. It's like to me, I almost turn into like a different person when it's like game time and like show time. It's like a, a switch flips, and I'm just in the moment. I'm driving. I'm trying. I'm on in go mode. I'm I'm trying to give the fans what they need, but also you know represent for you know my school, my section. And trying to be the best that I can be, especially uh, coming in as a as a freshman and then just being a part of leadership. I was a section leader for uh, my sophomore through my senior year at uh, Jackson State. Ooh, that I is a just, long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like even like a different switch hit. So it's like coming as a mm-hmm. freshman, I was like, I'm going to show and prove. I'm going to let my presence be known. I'm going to show that I belong here. And then my mindset as a section leader, I really wanted to say, to show the HBCU world like Jackson State, saxophones have something to say. <laughs> That's good. Where do you think all that energy comes from? I mean, we need some over here. But, like, where do you think that all comes from? Cultures develop. I think individual band cultures develop within themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as, um, I think, number one, the students that are around in that area and even, like, the cities that they develop in. It's just kind of like something intrinsic, intrinsic that grows and pushes out outward. I would say, um, just just coming from like the Nance River aspect, um, not even knowing what band is and just hearing the band, but then going into stepping in the band room, it's like we call it serious fun. So everybody's locked in. It's you got to go if if you're not on on the same page, it's a problem. So he's like you're feeding off each other's the energy, and you have that that idea and mindset of we're number one. Period. And we're gonna yeah. to maintain that. Yeah, and I think that goes to also the the school pride. I mean, yeah. the pride, like you said, that it comes from the the cities and just the culture. But the school pride that you get at the HBCU makes you want to go even further. And the you know the long like rigorous practice hours are, are great in in you know speaking to your performance question because it becomes literally like natural. You know, because even though you have all this attention, you have the other band across from you, it becomes like muscle memory kind of. You know. Because yeah. of uh, the, the rigorous practice that you put in and the practicing at that that level um, mm-hmm. you know, that you will be performing at. I want to just go back for a second because, like, we talked about the culture. And I feel like a lot of people know about HBCU marching bands, but they don't know a lot about the culture. And uh, as, you know, we're always going to have the next class coming up. Like, what do you think that the the consensus like the the masses need to know about the culture of hbcu marching bands yeah i'm glad you said that because I, and i'm glad we actually get this you know platform because um HB, you know marching band in general it's it's a it's a thankless job you know <laughs> you know like it, people think the whole band not the the third clarinet player or the second mellophone player you know it, it's it's not like that so um yeah i would say that that the culture is that you know, these students really put in a, a, a lot of work and, and, and they really, you know, strive a lot for their for the school, for the band program to really be ambassadors for the school. And and, and it really just, a, you know, obviously we, we know the importance of band and, and just a community and how great it is to be with, you know, doing, achieving something with people that you love. But, you know, on an HBCU basket, uh, having these black students come together and really, you know, for a common goal is really just the, the best thing. And that feeling that you get, um, not only in competition, but just at practice or just, you know, doing the things, representing your school, wearing your, 
you know, band jacket or whatever. It's just all that sums up how much pride that you have for your program and what you're willing to to deliver when it comes, you know, time to actually perform. I would say um, an important thing that people need to know is like we put a lot of love into what we do, like from from every aspect, every from everyone individually practicing on their own up until showtime. It's just a lot of love and passion that goes into it and it comes out with the high energy and it comes out with the unique style and feel shows is because at the end of the day, we all want to put out something that not only that the fans would enjoy, but we will enjoy and we'll look back on and love as well. So yeah. I, I, would, I think that's important because, you know, even it takes, it takes an inner motivation to work that hard and it, it just comes from a place of love. Yeah. Awesome. Especially when a lot of um, conditions that HBCUs, um, HBCU bands, specifically aren't as, uh, you know, grand. Like me and Mandy went to uh, uh, UVA, University of Virginia, when mm-hmm. we were in high school and we saw their band facilities. And it was, I mean, just amazing. And then, then you know, to go into A&T, the band facilities at A&T are not necessarily as, you know, well-funded or things like that. But the the magic that comes out of that is, I mean, amazing. You know, you would think that they would have just as much or, you know, as much as anybody else or any, or any other big university band. So I think that's another thing too, is that, you know, the product that they, that we put out these HBCU bands, but with a lot less as far as resources is also, you know, amazing to see. And I think that goes along with the pride as well. You know? mm-hmm. uh-huh. Oh, I believe that totally. If I, just wanna add, okay. mm-hmm. I just want to add, I think that's kind of when we talk about, you know, black history month and black culture in general, that's, that's is in essence, what we do as a people. You know, we take we can take anything and make make diamonds out of it just because of the effort and the energy we have within us as a people and as a culture. I love that passion, that passion, that drive. And honestly, there's a lot that I'm doing right now. If I didn't have that passion, that drive, it wouldn't be happening right now. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, This month, I've learned a lot about HBCU bands and uh, a, a lot of how where it came from and where it where it is. And I always want to ask where it's going. Um, with you both, you're putting it on another level of things by doing a podcast. Um, I'm not as young as you are. <laughs> so uh, talking about putting it on a podcast and putting it on, uh, you know, uh, out there on social media. Um, so you're reaching literally another demographic of people who want to learn more about HBCU, become in contact with it, and then keep going. Um, So if you look at YouTube views, Twitter, Instagram, and a lot of the performers in HBCU bands, they were real celebrities in their bands in the world. Like, I'm sure that if there were trading cards, y'all would have them. So, (laughs) uh, but yet no one knows like the like Ohio State marching band, no one knows the color guard captain or the state drumline drum major are, you know, so what do you think about there being such a large social media following in the HBCU world that we don't see in other marching band activities? Yeah, um, I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. And I think that, you know, that goes to, you know, uh, marching band in general. Like I said, it's a thing that's driving you, really, you know, you don't really get that kind of interaction. But with these marching bands, it's a big audience. Each of these bands have 200, you know, 150. It's a, it's a big, it's a lot of people in these bands. I mean, there's a lot of students. And so it's a big audience. This audience is, is wide open. And just because maybe band has stopped or they stopped band, or even if they're in the band, you know, you know, uh, 
you know, doesn't mean that they, you know, would not want to enjoy content that, you know, is catered to them. So I think that's just a, a you know, a, a big, a big market that's open. Like you said, with the dancers, that's a big, that's a big market with the HBCU, HBCU dancers. Um, people know their names. People know, like, you know, everybody's name. People, like, they, they get big followings, these girls, off of HBCU style dancing. So that's another aspect that's so big um, with the social media time. Uh, and I just think just on top of what Horatio was saying is on an individual level, like I know what, what band was able to do for me just in my personal life, just like a little bit of feedback. I lost my mother uh, when I was in eighth grade. And I, if, if to me, if it wasn't for like having that band avenue to be out and push my passion and express and have something to, to put that love into, I don't know where I personally would be. Right. So just having that awareness spread and band has done so much for other people. I know just in different aspects, some people join band for the love of music. Some people need that social aspect of community. Some people just really want to play that horn. So just having more eyes and more eyes and it could just bring more people into it from a viewer mm -hmm. perspective and a participant perspective that can really heal people in an intrinsic way. So back in the day, I think of like the commentators of HBCU bands being like, <laughs> like the co the host of like Soul Train, you know what I mean? So that's the old way. And I feel like when I listen to both of you, that's the new way of commentating for HBCU bands and really getting into it. So I just want to know from you both, what do you see? What do you see as the future for HBCU bands? Well, um, like I said, since it's a, it's a big market, I see just a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people thriving with HBCU band platforms, whether it be like, you know, reaction videos or things like that. But I do see, you know, us as, as a podcast, Crank Up the po Crank Up HBCU Band Podcast, we are um, partnered with Face Off, which is the HBCU um, band company that is kind of focused on kind of generating HBCU band battles and kind of, you know, awareness and, you know, events that kind of uplift like black, black, black band culture. So it's great that, um, you know, a, a lot of people are utilizing social media, but with our podcast and, you know, just a lot of avenues as far as new ways of doing battles, new different like style of events. I think that's kind of like the future um, as well as just the, the, the constant, you know, publication of it. I mean, you know, you see a lot of these band programs on big like ABC and getting like big looks and big parades. So I think, you know, with that, it adds a, a lot more people, a lot more dollars to the programs, a lot more, you know, attention. And that's, uh, that's great. Well, okay, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. And we hope to have you back in the future. I know I want to have you back because I want to talk to you more. I mean, I feel like we are you know, in there together, being from Virginia and all. <laughs> but before you go, can you tell us where we come to you again? Um, you, you can find our podcast, Crank Up the po Crank Up, um, the HBCU Band Podcast. We're starting first with a new season with the uh, as the football season, the band season starts again. So you'll be able to catch us. Um, you can catch us on Instagram at Crank Up Pod. Um, crank Up Pod. Follow me at Horatio Radio. Uh, Manny. You can follow me at, at Manny underscore Fested, as well as you can catch us on Twitter uh, when we do those, those Twitter spaces and we review and recap band videos um, hosted by his face off on Twitter. Right, right. It's the face off. That's our kind of like brand that we um, kind of are under. So. OK, everyone, back out on the floor and warm up those hands and let's get some let's get set up for a run through. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about the cookout. 
The cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Thanks, Nicole and Trevor, for those interviews. Have you all seen or do you follow Jacqueline? She's hysterical. Follow her at that underscore band teacher underscore lady. Honestly, her TikTok is one of my favorites to see come up on my FYP. Another fierce educator is our girl, Whitney. She has some more things to say to us this week in Wisdom from Whitney. So take it away. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. I'm Whitney, and today we are going to talk about staying organized. So I know personally, as a director of uh, three color guards, I have um, I have a, a hard time sometimes staying organized, um, but I have a wonderful planner from my favorite brand, Erin Condren. I would be okay if they sponsored us. Um, but they're, they're actually based in Austin and I love their products and they just make really beautiful stuff. So it makes me want to use my planner and, and stay organized. So if you can find um, a planner, either digital or paper that you really like, that's definitely going to help you with your organizational skills. I also am a huge fan of Google. Google Spreadsheets and Google Docs and all of the things, Google Forms. I love all of that and I use them obsessively for everything I need. Um, I use Google Forms to collect orders um, and we use all, all of the Google stuff to collect um, paperwork as well. And I mean, there's just so much you can do. I use the spreadsheets for all kinds of information for sizing charts to keep track of um, flags and equipment inventory i mean there's so much you can do with the google family of things but i'm sure people there are some people who may prefer excel or whatever else is available but i just personally love all the google stuff very easy to use um, but staying organized is really important. Um, otherwise, you you can um, essentially be penalized for being unorganized. I know if um, if you're late turning in some forms, 
that that can uh, essentially harm your your color guards or your your band season, and you may not get into a show that you had hoped to get into if you don't get your forms in on time. You may be put on a wait list for a competition, and you don't really nobody wants to be on a wait list. Um, so staying organized is really important, and um, just making sure that you spend time a little bit of time every day chipping away at your to-do list. I have a to-do list on my phone. I have a physical one in my planner as well. And I have a few at school as well. So I've got different to-do lists everywhere. And I just try to make sure that I'm always taking something off the to-do list so I can eliminate some stress from my life. But anyways, I hope this has been helpful and that you can find some way to be a little bit better organized for the success of your program and less stress for yourself. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, Whitney. We can totally relate to how you feel. Okay, everyone, it's Gush and Go time, the time in our show where our hosts and guests get to gush and go on about anything they want having to do with the marching arts. First up is one of our guests, Desiree Hunter. Take it away, Desiree. Hello, my name is Desiree Hunter, and I am the founder of Forest Arts Entertainment LLC, and I'm also the head coach and proud founder of Fatal Attraction Dance Team and also AODES on YouTube. Um, my gush and go is if you're passionate about dance, throwing a flag, anything, start today. Do not wait. Go take a class. It doesn't matter if you have to start at the beginning. I mean, doing the very basics. The basics is what is necessary. Don't skip over that. And if HBCU dance is your passion. Get in those rooms, go to a clinic, get in contact with these people who are actually on the team to help you propel into where you want to be. So chase after those dreams. It can happen. Okay. Who's next? Chris, I haven't got to talk to you in a while. Hey, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to my wife's junior high indoor drumline townsend junior high school in chino hills california uh they performed last weekend for the first time since uh covid and uh the these the kids and parents these are uh they are brand new to the activity they didn't even know what indoor drumline was they didn't know how the whole thing worked and how the whole day ran but they did a fantastic job uh our goal for them was just to go out there and uh to survive the show and they did and they were uh, uh awarded with a second place finish which we did not expect at all uh so very uh, very very proud of the kids they have uh three more shows before championships they compete in uh scpa in the junior division there are seven middle school indoor drum lines in socal and they're all fantastic so the future is bright out here in socal and uh just uh, really proud of the kids so that's my gush and go go townsend that's Woo! amazing Woo! yes yeah. oh and their show's called emojis <laughs> so it is so cute <laughs> i love seeing middle schoolers getting to go to work together on those sort of projects uh nicole how about you well, I want to gush and go about uh, going to Nebraska and judging. Um, it was a great time, and um, I met some great new people. Um, but I also had a first. Well, two firsts happened. One, I was on a judging panel with all women, and it was uh, a fantastic time, I will tell you. Uh, Woo-hoo! Yay! <laughs> 
And honestly, I hope this is something that other circuits will do. I mean, honest, you take you take a step back and you look at it and you don't see that very much. And when you do, I don't know, there's something very for all of us kind of empowering and just really fun, you know, just to be on a, on a panel like that. Um, the other thing is, is when I got there, uh, one of the instructors, um, at, um, Millard high school, I think that's the name of it. They have a Northwest East South. Um, but they were not going to come to the show, found out that I was going to be judging and came because they have two students of color in their color guard and wanted them to because they knew that they didn't have a lot of people that look like them in their circuit. So I found that, first of all, it was like they tugged at every heartstring I ever had and <laughs> sat and talked with me. They for, for, they forfeited their critique time to have their two students come, to have their student come talk to me. It was really, really, uh, I don't know. I never had anything like that, but literally I, everything in me kept me from like crying. <laughs> I'm just feeling like in the background of your your gush and go, we need to have like a soft uh, Lady Gaga playing Nebraska, Nebraska, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing time, Nicole. I love that for you and for them. Uh, Tom, what about you? All right. So my gush and go is just a simple one. I appreciate all of the material a lot of the younger groups are doing this year. Not over their heads, uh, something they all can grasp and actually understand and perform. You know, in the last few years, there's been a lot of heavy material. We've gone through some heavy situations in life. Mm. I'm glad just to see some really fun, cute, happy shows again. Um, That's all. That's my simple gush this year. Very good gush. Michelle. How about you? I don't know how. I'm not sure about a gush and go. I have... A very vague Literally one. anything. Um, yes. So I think I would like to gush about Color Guard kids in general. Um, and my reasoning for that, in the last couple of shows that we've gone to, um, my high school team has like a lot of props because we're crazy. Um, and when we go to shows with the middle school doesn't travel with us, we really struggle getting everything off the floor and we never have problems. Like people always, like everybody will just get out of the stands. Some team will come help and- and not just that, that we help each other on and off the floor, but they clap for each other. You know what I mean? Like everybody's like cheering everybody else on and um, saying, you know, just the little things like when you're walking through the hallway and like, oh, have a good run and stuff like that. I just want to gush about Color Guard Kids and how everybody supports each other. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I know our listeners can't see it, but I'm giving like heart hands right now <laughs> with my fingers <laughs> to all of these performers that are out there helping each other. <laughs> What is that, Justin Bieber? Heart, heart, wink, wink. <laughs> ah, so now it's time for our history lesson this week. Each week, Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give a little, oh, to give us just a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. Uh, they're working on a much larger series coming in April onto on a water break. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that. So it's time to take a march through history. Take it away, Bill. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, with this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. The end of the Second World War in 1945 forced creative figureheads to rethink how they would market products during the American peacetime that were prominent for people in the war. 
The spice pork product known as Spam had 90% of its inventory shipped overseas to feed the soldiers, but that was no longer needed after everyone returned home. J.C. Hormel, head of the Hormel Foods, created the Hormel Girls in 1946 as an all-female military-style band to market the company's products. Requirements to become a Hormel Girl included the women being war veterans and having experienced as physicians. Most of the performers were white and all the women were unmarried. Also, every woman played an instrument and some would even dance. In August 29, 1946, the Hormel Girls completed their first months of training and competed at the 29th American Legion National Drumming Championship in New York. 20 females agreed to stay in the troop after the competition, but the numbers quickly increased as the women marched in parades, played in shows, sold Hormel products, including Spam, door to door across America. Motorcades of police cars would escort the women throughout the towns they visited. As their popularity grew, uh, people nicknamed the group the Darlings of the Airways, or the Spam Ends. In 1953, the performance ban came to an end because it was costing Hormel Company $1.3 million a year to shuttle the women around. But the sales of Hormel products, especially Spam, successfully doubled during the years the Hormel Girls performed, helping bringing the food into everyday American society. Stay tuned for future podcast episodes for more fascinating snippets from the powerful history of the wonderful activity we call the marching arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. We've learned about the past. Now it's time to move on to the present with some news. Jackie's got the first story for this week. Go ahead, Jackie. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. This is a social media sighting. Ohio State Hockey Band. So first of all, I didn't even know there's like pep bands for hockey, um, which I should know these things. I like, you know, originally I'm from the North, but I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, They did, they went out and did drill on the ice. Like the performers put spikes on their shoes and they like kind of semi skated out onto the ice and did a modified script Ohio, which is like, that's like the thing for like the Ohio state marching band that they do this giant Ohio set in their drill. And whenever they did, they actually did this same set on the ice. And it was just so cool to get to see this, to get to see like these uh, the the performers going out and like playing their instruments and skating around on the ice. And that just adds like a whole other element of danger, I guess you could say to what we do, you know, just another layer. It's already so complicated to be in marching band and to be performing music and to be looking at the crowd and marching and hitting your dots and everything else. Now let's add ice in as a factor. So love that. <laughs> That's crazy. I live in Ohio and I have never, never heard of that. I've got what? students that can't even march on grass, let alone <laughs> Chris, you got our next story? Yes, I do. So the Virginia State University Trojan Explosion Marching Band uh, recently performed on the Today Show in uh, New York City. Uh, and uh, from, the, uh, from the press release, it says... Uh, Virginia State University was requested to appear on the Today Show as a result of being selected as one of the six bands to perform at the 2023 Honda Battle of the Bands. 
competition. Uh, and they also are going to receive a $50,000 grant from Honda to support the VSU Music Educators Program. And I have seen uh, Virginia State perform before. They are so dynamic. They 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 literally can peel my face off with their sound. They are so loud, but such a beautiful sound and they have so much energy on the field. So congratulations to Virginia state. And, uh, uh, so happy that you guys get to perform at uh, battle of the bands. Uh, it's really great to see uh, such talented uh, musicians performing and showcasing what HBCUs can do. So congrats to them. I can even do you one better. Chris. I have Horatio and Manuel, who I interviewed earlier, here with a full Honda Battle of the Bands recap. All right, Manny. Man, we are back talking about the Honda Battle of the Bands. A great event. Great event in Alabama having Langston University, um, Alabama State, Virginia State, Texas Southern, Savannah State, and Morgan in Texas Southern. What did you think about this battle, man? Who do you think won? Give me some highlights. Man, this was a great battle. This is the first Honda Battle of the Band that was actually held on an HBCU campus. So it was at Alabama State. So let's just give a big shout out to that, first and foremost. Me personally, I think who took to take the cake for this Battle of the Bands was Texas Southern. A monster in the stands and showcase a high energy, um, a great sound on the field as well, man. And we have those other bands who had notable performances that are not to be slept on. But you know, just don't take my word for it. Go out, watch these videos, support these organizations and support these bands and come up with your opinion. Definitely, definitely, man. Somebody else who I like was Virginia State. Of course, you know, being, you know, Virginia natives. I didn't like Virginia State, man. Virginia State came out kind of bigger than what we've normally seen them. Great energy. Um, you know, great song selection, so it was great to see them. And somebody who we normally don't see as well out on the town is Savannah mm -hmm. State. You know, Savannah State's a small band, so um, that was great to see them as well. Like I said, it was at Alabama State, so Alabama State had to come and put on, so they performed as well as Morgan, um, who is obviously, you know, in Baltimore. We don't really get a chance to see Morgan do these big events, but it was great to see them as well. Um, any other, any other, um, and with this battle, we got to see some stand battles, which is great, because right. we normally don't be at these events. What do you think about the stand battles and just kind of having that a part of the event? I'm so appreciative that Honda was able to throw that in there, man. And I think that with Honda being the third closing out, because we really don't get three Battle of the Bands events in the wintertime. So Honda's being the third one coming out, setting the cap off and um, just keeping up with the competition of the other shows. Um, yeah. Adding that stand, stand element on the HBCU campus, giving the people what they want, I just think that's amazing. Man. Definitely, and I, I would definitely love to see in the future, you know, having more of these type of events, um, you know, in different different places. Obviously the South is a big, is a big area where a lot of these events are gonna take place, but you know, there's so many HBCU bands and so to, to be able to showcase them, especially on these bands that, you know, at this Honda event, like uh, like Morgan and like a, um, uh, uh, Alabama State, um, it's great. It was great. So shout out to you know a, a lot of these HBCU battles popping up, showing showcasing a lot of these bands. All right. So you know, thanks for having us on this show. If you for any more band commentary, you can follow me at Manny underscore Fested on Instagram and Horatio. Yeah, you can follow me at Horatio Radio um, and the page Crank Up Pod as well as it's a face off. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. Very exciting. <laughs> Tom, what news story do you have for us this week? 
Okay, so it's that favorite time of year. Mardi Gras. It's a party. Right? <laughs> uh, I've never got to actually perform in the Mardi Gras, but uh, it looks like a blast because I've been to the Mardi Gras party before. <laughs> but there's two two youth ensembles in that area, and they both work with special needs kids um, from, like, ages 5 to 19. They got together and put together an ensemble, and they are tearing it up down in, in Mardi Gras having a blast. And it's so cool to see uh, uh, groups like this coming together and, and merging to do something extra fun like this. I mean, I don't even get this opportunity. How cool is it? So shout out to uh, – to, to the Gulf Coast Youth Drumline and the Magnolia um, Breeze Youth Ensemble for getting together and, and doing this. Awesome job, guys. Shout out. Programs like that can be so, so, so helpful, especially when you're talking about these kids that have different challenges. You know, talk about neurodiverse students, you know, those that don't necessarily fit in the mold of normal schooling and so on. And like having this program, and being able to have the opportunities to perform like this, this this could be like the thing that gets them going, you know, the thing that gets them out of bed in the morning. It's, yeah, this is you know, so great. Without getting all in science, music is life. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> that's 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 bottom line. So that's it, you know, and it puts a smile on their faces. So that's all we want. Michelle, what have you brought us this week for news? Um, well, I have um, an update on the situation at Elizabeth Forward School District and their band and music department. Um, I think you guys mentioned this on your last podcast, but there was a fire at Elizabeth Forward High School um, the weekend, like right before Valentine's Day. And um, they it really destroyed their auditorium, their choir, their band room, uh, destroyed instruments, uniforms, and all the sets they were using to get ready for the musical. Um, but since then, as what always happens in our activity, people have stepped up. And there have been so many uh, local uh, schools and organizations around uh, the area. And this is in Western Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. But they've uh, really stepped up to organize fundraisers. Um, the band actually was going to Florida for their Disney trip. They were able to go to their Disney trip. So while they're down there, groups up here are actually raising money to support them. Uh, schools like Mount Lebanon, Charleroi, uh, and South Allegheny are running um, different kinds of fundraisers, all the proceeds benefiting uh, the Elizabeth Ford Music Program. Um, and actually, there's also a local drama society that's raising money to help with their musical. Their musical is going to be delayed uh, because they have to rebuild sets and things. But it, as always, you know, like what's that saying? Look for the helpers whenever you see tragedy. And, you know, the community is definitely stepping up. Wow, that's so good to hear. What a testament to just, you know, the band community in general. Okay, everyone, thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Chris, Tom, Nicole, Trevor, Cindy, Whitney. And thank you very much to our special guest host, Michelle. Oh, thank you. So much fun. <laughs> thank you, Jacqueline. It's a face-off, guys, Horatio and Manuel. And all that contributed to helping us celebrate Black History Month. Next month, we get to focus on celebrating women in band for Women's History Month with special guest hosts and plenty of fun. So go subscribe, write us a review, share this with a friend, and we will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Go practice. Go practice.